Okay, okay, okay. Welcome to church. That was not rhetorical. <laughs> Genuinely, welcome to church. Typically, if you're kind, you say, thank you. Just a little response, okay? Let's act like we're charismatic here, okay? All right. Tough crowd. I'll be here all night. Hey, before we get started, I've got to welcome and honor one of my dear friends. James Thomas is here, and James will just be so embarrassed that I'm talking about him, but 10 years ago I met James. I went to England to preach for Pete Gregg at his church, and Pete said, I've, sort, I've sorted your accommodations, mate, and something like that. And he put us up with James and Julia Thomas, and from that moment till this, James has been one of the great voices and Julia with him, speaking sanity and wisdom and their steady presence. Uh, James has been in private finance for a long time, equity, done, God's blessed him, and he and Julia took that, and 15 years ago started a group called Justice and Care, and they were rescuing people out of sex slavery before it was cool to rescue people out of sex slavery. So could you please tonight honor my friend, bless my friend. I just recently heard, they've been doing work in Bangladesh and in India and Romania and all over the UK, uh, but they've just kind of broken into the US market and their number one supporter in all of the United States is the US Justice De State Department of the United States is their number one partner. So that tells you that the State Department believes in what they're doing. It's incredible work. They have a 0% return rate back into sex trafficking, 0%. And the other aspect, so care, that's the care side. They care for the victims, but the justice and care, the justice side, they have a 95% conviction rate for the perpetrators. So tonight, we've got a saint in the house. James, we love you, we bless you, and Julia. I want you to know my friends because life isn't anything if you don't have good friends, right? And so uh, we welcome you tonight. Tonight, I'm gonna continue uh, our series. Next week, we start a series going through the book of 1 Kings. It'll be lively. 1 Kings is wild. Uh, go ahead and read the book, and you'll go, that's in the Bible? Um, but tonight, we're gonna kind of land the plane on this little summer series run that we've been on. We talked about the necessity of play. We talked about the necessity of prayer. We talked about the necessity of presence. We talked last week about the necessity of God's power. And tonight, I wanna talk to you about the necessity of peace. Can you say peace? I've created an alternate title. I've not ever done this, but I thought, you know, I've been doing this 18 years. I can create an alternate title, and I've got the microphone. So the alternate title tonight of the sermon is Ruptures, Restitution, and Real Peace. Ruptures, Restitution, and Real Peace. I want to read you a text out of Judges chapter 6. It's an iconic text of Gideon, one of the great judges of Israel. So I'll read you this text. We'll pray and we'll jump in. Hear the word of the Lord out of Judges chapter six. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, the angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me? Like, you gotta read the Bible literarily, okay? Excuse me? Say what? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever asked that question? 
Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Like, where, where's that mojo? Gideon says. But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's given us into the hand of Midian, our enemies. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. He's got small man syndrome, small clan syndrome. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. When Gideon, go to verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, everyone say peace. peace. Shalom, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he called it, the Lord is peace. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we need you, 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 we need you. As the preacher, I'm the first in line to say we need you to speak. We as a congregation came here with the conviction that you have something to say. We came here with the conviction that you're the God that when you speak, things go into motion. When you speak, things change. When you speak, mountains are leveled and valleys are raised up and crooked places are made straight and rough places are made smooth. That's what the prophet of old said. That's what John the Baptist said. And so we say, do that thing tonight. Speak like that tonight. We pray that you'd pour your spirit out on us tonight. We pray, Lord, that you'd surprise us. I, I've got notes, I've got plans. I just pray you'd surprise us. Surprise us with what we need. Make us a holy people. Make us a courageous people. Raise us up like, like Gideon tonight. And make us strong, we pray. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I mean, who doesn't want peace? Cottage industries have been created around concepts of wellness and meditation and apps are everywhere and you've got it on your phone and there's a rise in breathwork workshops and I'm all for that and I've been in some of them and it's fantastic and we've got white yogis, you know, running around the um, Briargate, you know, taking on Hindu names and burning incense in their basements with namaste tattooed on their forearms. That was supposed to be funnier. <laughs> what do you have wrong with white yogis? Uh, That question answers itself. <laughs> I mean, we've been told to guard our energy and find your resonance and only good vibes here. And, and we just, you know, like peace. We all want peace. We all want calm. We all want quietness and rest. And but the question I want to ask tonight is when you open the Bible, like when you open the Bible, not when you talk to the white yogis running around Briargate with namaste on their forearm. But when you open the Bible, what does the Bible say about peace? 
What does the Bible say about peace? It comes from the Hebrew word originally, the Hebrew word shalom. And the Hebrew word shalom means completeness or soundness or wholeness, oneness, welfare, integrity, intactness. It means there are no gaps. It carries with it the image of a city wall that has been rebuilt, it's been closed up, it's been made secure integrity coming from the root word integer like one shalom is that kind of wholeness and completeness and intactness there are no gaps there's nothing missing there's nothing broken it's you've got what you need shalom and in jerusalem today their common everyday greeting we might say what's up bro or yo or how you doing or uh, uh como estas or chow or whatever whatever you know you've been around the world and people say what's up and there's kind of common greetings but in jerusalem today if someone came up to you with their common greeting in the hebrew language what they would be asking you literally translated they would be asking you how is your peace i like that that's a lot better than what's up bro or how you doing, or, weather, right? How is your peace? Like, are you whole? Are you intact? Is there completeness? Are there any gaps? Could I step into any of those gaps? Like, do you need anything? How is your shalom? The name Jerusalem itself means the city of peace. Jerusalem, the city of God's peace. Like in these walls, in this place, this is holy ground. God wants us to be well. God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to flourish. God wants us to be whole. God wants us shalomed. How is your shalom? But let's talk about those ruptures. Remember, ruptures, restitution, and real peace. So we know that we all desire peace, and we know that there are cottage industries that are kind of trying to sell us that product. And we also know that God does deeply want us to be caught up into his completeness, his shalom, his wholeness, his intactness. Let's talk about those ruptures. A rupture, by definition, is like a, a... an instance of breaking or bursting suddenly and completely. A pipe ruptures in January and Jason and his crew, they go to work, you know. Restoring and mitigating and putting a place back together. There's, there's ruptures and they, they did that to our basement twice. Thank God for people who know how to address a winter pipe rupture, right? Rupture in a blood vessel and your arm bruises up because it pools with blood in that Local region, a a, a tendon rupture, a relational rupture. What was harmonious is now contentious. We all know about these ruptures. There are personal ruptures, there are familial ruptures, there are national ruptures, there are economic ruptures. We all have lived through these moments. You've experienced it. You know exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about a rupture. And our friend Gideon was in the middle of a personal, vocational, and national rupture. And the question that I want to ask tonight at the beginning is, how did Gideon process his personal, vocational, and national rupture that he was thrust into? Judges 6 tells us, it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And, and, And Gideon just goes right back at him. Pardon me, excuse me, please, not today. 
No thank you. I'm, I'm not interested in your nice, cute little God talk. I'm not interested in your happy, clappy, blessed and highly favored wealth. And ha- like, do you know what's going on in my life? Do you know what's going on in my clan? Do you know what's going on in my nation? Gideon pushes back. Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has, aban- but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. I'll, I'll, I just want you to see right here off the top tonight that Gideon shows us that you can process fear as an honest human being. I grew up in faith circles and, and faith circles that wanted to bypass your humanity. Short circuit, circumvent, bury it. Just, oh, oh, it's fine. And, 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 and you wanna just have that positive confession all the time. You just wanna speak those things that are not as though they were, which is a real thing. But, but often what they were saying, the subtext of that was ignore the reality in front of you and just kind of speak positivity out into the ether and somehow, some way, you're just going to be fine one day, but, you, but don't even talk about what happened. And Gideon says, baloney. Gideon throws the challenge flag on that theological approach. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about? Excuse me, have you not abandoned us, God? Gideon shows us that you can process fear as an honest human being. And any faith that is taught in a way that bypasses our humanity is a false faith. Jesus, the true human, wept. Jesus, the true human, agonized. Jesus, the true human, lamented. Jesus is God bringing heaven and earth together and he shows us in his own personhood, hanging on the tree, he prays Psalm 22, verse one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And he, he, he says, it's not okay, it's not right. My God, why have you abandoned us? He Gideon is just fine telling the truth about his experience and I want you to know that if you are on the brink, if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God does not expect you to bury that. God says, give me that. Tell me what you're feeling. Give, be honest, cry out, lament, give me the truth of your experience. And let me also remind you that there will be times when the Lord is with you that it seems like the Lord is not with you. So Gideon is very, really, truly going through a personal, vocational, and national rupture. A crisis is afoot. And he says, has not God abandoned us? And I just want you to see, so like you can be honest about that. You can tell the truth about that. You don't have to falsify your faith by bypassing your humanity. So that's, that's a real reality. But I also want you to see that there will be times when the Lord is with you that it seems like the Lord is not with you. And those two things can be happening at the same time, that God can be there. God is present just like he is with Gideon, and Gideon can also name how he's feeling right now. Judges 6, he says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. The angel of the Lord, most theologians believe, when you see in the Old Testament the angel of the Lord, what they're saying is that that's the spirit of Jesus. It's not just like, you know, Gabriel or Michael or some kind of little one-off angel that was, you know, free that day. (laughs) Oh, you know, just kind of run on down there and check him out and see what's going on with Gideon and namaste and, 
Um, that's not, no, the angel of the Lord, like God himself, Jesus, the presence of Jesus is with Gideon. And he says, hey, Gideon, the Lord is with you. Like, I'm right here. There will be times where you're going through the valley of the shadow of death and God says, you can say that. And also there will be times where it appears the Lord is not with you when he actually indeed is with you. Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The only reason he could call him mighty warrior is because God is with him. Because he's going to strengthen him to do the work. So I want you to see, you can name it, you can tell the truth about how you're feeling and God will be with you in the midst of that valley. One more thing here, I'll I'll just say there's a special place in the heart of God to vindicate those who have been wronged. I'll say that many of you are going through ruptures in your life right now or you have been through ruptures in your life that were not your fault. Sure, I've I've made stupid decisions in the past and and was swept into a rupture and it was my fault. It was a self-inflicted wound. My sin caused me to be led astray. And we all know about ruptures that we brought on, but let's just say right here and right now, there are certain ruptures that we are swept into that were not our fault. Someone did something to us. Someone, Someone violated us. And if you're in a rupture right now, I just wanna say to you tonight, there's a special place in the heart of God to vindicate those who have been wronged, who were swept into a rupture that was not of their own making. If that is you tonight, I want you to see Deuteronomy 32, 36. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone. For the Lord will vindicate and he will have compassion on his people when he sees that their strength is gone. And so if that is you tonight and you're walking through a rupture that is not of your own making, I say to you, there is a special place carved out in the heart of God and he will vindicate you one day. Can you say amen, church? Thank you, mom. Appreciate that. Ruptures are real, but... Let's go to the second portion of our talk. What about restitution? Old Testament restitution laws, if you just wanna drop in and study this week, like go to Exodus 22. There's just a, a whole section on restitution. I'll show you that restitution is the act of justice by which we restore to our neighbor whatever we have unjustly deprived him of. Restitution. Ruptures are real, but there's also this concept of restitution and restoring to the person the justice that they have been deprived of. Instead of, uh, in both the old and the new covenants, you see restitution. In the old covenants, Exodus 22, uh, you know, you borrow someone's goat and the goat gets run over on the road. It's your job to give them one of your goats. Restore to them what was lost. It's not, it was on your watch. The thing broke down when when you, like, make it right, baby. Restore, right? That's the old covenant. We we think, oh, restitution. Zacchaeus, turn to Luke 19 and read the story of Zacchaeus, who was the wee little man. The wee little man was he. He was up in the tree, and Jesus comes through, and he goes, I'm going to your house today. And Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. He's a tax collector, and he's been robbing old widows blind. He's been duping them. He's been charging them extra because all Zacchaeus had to do was pay Rome their due. 
So he paid Rome his flat fee for the year for his region, and then he could jack up the taxes however he wanted, and Zacchaeus was making a killing, robbing people blind. And Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus is at dinner, and the spirit of Jesus comes on him, and willfully Zacchaeus goes, Master, I am so sorry. And he said, if anyone I've duped, he goes, I'll give to the poor, and if I've duped anyone, I'll pay them back up to four times. You talk about interest, right? up to four times what I've stolen. Zacchaeus goes into a life of restitution, giving back to someone what you have deprived them of. This restitution thing in the scriptures is real and you mess someone's donkey up, you make it right. And you, you borrow someone's plow to go furrow a row and it breaks and you, you make it right. You, you buy them a new plow, you fix it, you, you restore what has been lost. My brother-in-law, David, is a cowboy and he's got all the gear and we live on some land together. And I was, I was grading some land and, and we've been doing some work. And so I said, David, can I borrow your skid steer? And he said, absolutely. And so I take the skid steer over and I've used it a lot through the years so I know my way around. But I'm working on it. All of a sudden, the front tire goes flat while I'm driving my brother-in-law's skid steer. And I felt like an idiot and I felt so stupid and I just ruined his life forever and we're never gonna recover from this. That's what you feel when you're borrowing someone's heavy machinery and something breaks, right? And so I'm immediately like fasting and praying and I'm depressed and I'm taking medicine and all, I, just, I just know this is the end of it. And so I call David with my tail between my legs and he goes, it's no big deal. It's no. And, and so he took the, tire in to see if we could get it fixed and couldn't get it fixed so we just bought a new one and put it on I paid him for his time and it just restitution don't borrow someone's stuff and break it and then leave them with something broken don't steal someone's joy and vomit on someone at work and mess their whole day up and then you feel better and you go home bouncing around and they're sick because they bumped into you today so I just want to ask you tonight, I just want to, provoke, I want to provoke your imagination, who do you owe something to? I'm not just talking about money. Sure, if you owe someone money, figure that out. Pray that the Lord will bless you. Like, pay your mortgage. Like, who, who you owe someone money? But, but who do you owe someone a conversation? Because you said something to them six months ago that was a wound to their spirit and you walked away feeling unburdened, but for six months they lay in bed and they have to pray blessing over you to try to recover and to try to get out of bed in the morning just to do their job. Like I, I invite you to come into the presence of the Lord this week and say, Lord, who do I have some restitution work to do with? Paul in Romans 12 17 through 18, he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, which means it takes two to tango. You gotta have cooperation. You gotta have partnership. You can't always fix something if, some, if someone is unwilling to have it fixed. But he says, as far as it is de depending on you, live at peace with all people. Make restitution. Make it right. Go and fix the thing. And I, and I try to do this regularly, week by week. Lord, is there a conversation that I had? Was there a meeting that I had where my energy was wrong or where I said something wrong and it came out sideways? And did, was there, did, Lord, bring back to my memory any offenses or any wounds that I have caused so that I can go and restore it. There are ruptures all around us, but the people of God are supposed to be, be the people that live making restitution, making things right 
restoring what the enemy has broken, restoring, frankly, what we have broken. So I'll invite you to ask yourselves, who do you owe something to, a conversation to, forgiveness to, prayer to, so that peace can be restored? As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. And I'll say it this way, we all have the individual responsibility to work toward being a peaceful presence. Remember, our word here is shalom. When you walk into a room, are you a shaloming presence? When you walk into a relationship, do you bring shalom or do you bring destruction? Are you a tornado or are you still waters? We all have a responsibility to do the work. And, and many of us have been through situations that have, that have hurt us and, and because of that hurt that we took on board, a rupture that was done to us, very often what happens is that sort of gets metastasized within us and then we go enact pain on other people because someone enacted pain on us. And so, if you have work to do, we have a responsibility to be a peaceful presence. So maybe find a counselor that can help you work through that. Maybe you can ask your friends, and I ask my friends this regularly, like, how do you experience my presence? Is there anything that I do that frustrates you? Is there anything that I say that frustrates you? Are there any habits that I have that bother you? Can I get better? Hey, Lisa, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better dad? Hey, Lillian, I'm so sorry. How can I say that better next time? Friends, we have a responsibility to be a peaceful presence. God wants to send you and me into situations not to bring a storm, but to bring shalom. There are ruptures, there's restitution, and it's time for us to learn how to do our work to be a peaceful presence. But I want to talk to you tonight as we get ready to close about real peace. Final section, real peace. How can we experience shalom? If, if, if God wants us to have intactness and wholeness and soundness and completeness, if God wants our life to be like that city wall that has no gaps in it, how do we experience real peace? I want to get practical here for just a minute and put a few things in front of you, three things in front of you. First, real peace comes through the right rhythms. Interesting, Pastor. Right rhythms? I love that we worship on Friday nights because it kind of makes us like the, the, the Jews, the, the Hebrews, right? Every Friday night is Shabbat. And you know what, when you go to temple or when you go to synagogue, you know what they say to you when you walk in? They say, Shabbat Shalom. May the Lord be present in your rest. May the Lord restore you. And every single week, this is why we as believers come to the house of God every week. We're not those people that go, you know, Christers, right? Christmas and Easter Christians, Christers, Christers. I know what a Christer looks like. See him in the lobby, you know, every, right? We, we, no, we go every single week and the Jews worship every single Friday night and they say Shabbat Shalom and they say Shabbat Shalom. Why? Because Sunday they start working, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and Thursday and the storm and the ruptures and the conversations and the volatility and all of this. And what do they do? They show back up to the house of God on Friday night and they're swept back up into the Shabbat Shalom. And if you want to experience real priest, uh, real priest, real priest, a real priest, if you want to experience a real priest, I've got some Catholic friends down the road who can take good care of you. If you want to experience real peace, one of the things you're going to have to sign up for is the right rhythms. 
coming to the house of the Lord every single week because when we come in and we worship, something shifts in the atmosphere. Something slackens up in our soul that was so rigid and so afraid and so anxious. We just came out of the work week, right? And here we are and we say, come Holy Spirit. And something on the inside of us relaxes. We've got some sins to repent of. We're gonna come to the table of the Lord in just a little bit and we're gonna receive the bread and the cup and we're gonna say, Lord, have mercy on me. And I, I, man, I messed it up in that moment. Lord, forgive me. And then you're gonna make the phone call this week. Hey, forgive me and make restitution. What happens is as we live in this regular rhythm of worshiping God and being with God's people and helping each other raise children and dedicating each other to the Lord, once we do this, we're we're finding ourselves weakly swept back up into the shaloming presence of God. I can't go, I can't go long without worshiping with the people of God because something in me begins to break down. And so I'm inviting you, if you want to experience real peace, one of the things you're going to need to do with your life is to to have regular rhythms of worship with the people of God. Every morning, open the scriptures. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Fall on your knees in the morning and say, come Holy Spirit and give me your strength today. Renew in me a clean heart, restore me this week. You're gonna have to settle into the right rhythms and as you do, you'll see that habitually the real peace of God will begin to settle into your heart and into your mind. Real peace comes through the right rhythms. The second thing, real peace comes through righteous relationships. If you are running with idiots, you are going to be an idiot and if you're an idiot, you will not have peace. It's very simple. Right? I mean, I didn't get a 36 on the ACT, but I'm smart enough to know if you run with fools, you'll become a fool. And if you're a fool, your life will look foolish and stupid and it will break down and you will be wondering what the problem is. You are the problem because you've surrounded yourself with the wrong people and you've become the wrong people. Friends, if you want to experience real peace, learn to be with people who are holy. Learn to be with people who are sane. I don't, I don't get around people who are a storm. You know, every time you walk in with someone, they want to talk about the headlines. They want to talk about DC. And they want to talk about those Dems. And they want to talk about Biden. And they want to talk... I, we can't be friends. Right? I'm not saying stuff isn't broken. It's broken. I'm not going to be broken. If, if I want to be a shaloming presence in the world, I need to have the shalom settle in me so that I can step out into the storm and say, peace be still. Shh. Peace be still. And so if you want to experience real peace, get around people who have the peace of God in them. Get around people who know how to pray. Their first instinct is not to curse the other side. It's to go, come Holy Spirit. We need your wisdom right now. Lord, forgive us and search us and know us and James Thomas is one of these real peace kind of people. That's why, that's why he's staying in my house this weekend because I want my kids around someone who is filled with the peace of God. Friends, if you're going to find peace, you're gonna have to sign up for regular rhythms of, of holiness and you're gonna have to find righteous relationships of people who carry and embody God's peace. Real peace, finally, comes from running to Jesus. I just... I. I Again, it's not that complicated. It's just hard. Like we know what to do, but we've got all these distractions and we've got all these 
phones and we've got all these emails and we've got all this stuff and concerns and Jesus is there waiting to give us his shalom. We just don't go to him very often. Real peace comes from running to Jesus and I'll show you this story. Mark chapter four, the disciples were out doing ministry with Jesus and the day came and evening came and he said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. So they get on the boat on the Sea of Galilee and it's a small little lake basically. And they start crossing over, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with Jesus. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. What kind of God is this that sleeps in the midst of a boat-breaking storm? Like, let's just ask ourselves, what is God anxious about? Jesus is asleep, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke and said to him, woke him up, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up. Shh. He rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, shalom, is the word in Hebrew that he said there. Shalom, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm and he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Real peace comes from running to Jesus. Your inner world can be shalomed even when portions of your outer world are not. They're in a storm. It's not, they weren't, they weren't peaceful because they had kind of a precious memories moment there on the boat where they're singing Kumbaya and Jesus is breaking bread and philosophizing about the great teachers of the Greek world. No, they're dying and Jesus is taking a nap. Which is to say that your inner world can be shalomed even when portions of your outer world are not. but it will only come if you run to Jesus every single day of your life, multiple times. Do you know every, every, every hour I'm checking in, sometimes I have to check in every five minutes. Some days it's just one, it's one of those days where you go, you're gonna have to keep short accounts with Jesus. Why? Because you're just in a storm and Jesus is constantly going, shh, peace be still. You're going into a difficult board meeting where you've gotta say some hard things. Get with Jesus right before you go in and let him go, shh and watch the meeting. It's bedtime. My kids are... (laughs) If I can just grab five seconds and go... Jesus goes, peace be still. And then I can go in and I can give them a peace be still instead of, everyone shut up! (laughs) Right? Your inner world can be shalomed even when portions of your outer world are not. If you will spend your life running to Jesus, he will give you his peace. He will give you his strength. I'll I'll tell you, four of the the New Testament letters that Paul wrote, they're called the prison epistles. He's in prison writing these four letters. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Do you know what he opens up with in the first two verses of every one of those four letters? He says, charis and irene. Grace and peace. From prison, grace and peace. 
His inner world is quiet, even though his outer world is a storm. Grace and peace. You can find peace even in the midst of the storm if you will run to Jesus. As we come to a close, I wanna take us back to Gideon. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonders? You remember the, you remember the, 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 the rant that he goes on, but look at the end of it. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. But look at what the Lord says to him. But the Lord said to Gideon, Shalom. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And I promise you as as. as Clearly as I know my name is Daniel, as I was praying, finishing up today, and just saying, Lord, what is the thing that you wanna say? I've got notes, but what do you wanna say? The Lord told me to put this last verse up in front of you. But the Lord said to you tonight, Shalom, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And the enemy wants you to think that this thing that you're in right now is going to take you out. He wants you to think that this thing that you're in right now is gonna be the last word about your life. He wants you to think that the very worst thing that has ever happened to you will be the truest storyline of your life. And he wants you to freeze on that and fixate on that and just get locked in the terror loop of that very terrible thing that you're in. And tonight, the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, is here. And he's sitting across the table from you and me. And he looks at you tonight, and I need you to receive this by faith, prophetically receive this by faith. Jesus says to you, shalom. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. You're going to be okay. I'm going to lead you through. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to bless you. Those of you who need forgiveness, Jesus is here to forgive you tonight. Those of you who need courage, Jesus is here to give you courage tonight. Do not be afraid. Receive the peace that passes all understanding, the intactness, the wholeness, the completeness. Even in the midst of the storm, Jesus is here to say to you, Shalom, do not be afraid. This is not going to kill you. You are not going to die. Friends, tonight, I am praying that by the power of the Holy Spirit, all of the terror that has accrued in our souls about these difficult things, that it would be rebuked and cast out of us in Jesus' name. Can you say amen tonight, church? Would you stand with me? Our communion servers are gonna come forward. The band is coming, we're gonna worship. As we come through in the next five minutes, what we're gonna do is come out of the aisle of the rows and get your communion elements. If you're not physically able to come through, just tap your neighbor, they'll bring you an extra one. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna worship the Lord as we come through the room to receive the elements. You'll go back to your seats and hold them. But I want you to begin to give God your storm tonight. As you come through, you're in the boat, Jesus is taking a nap and you just wish he'd get up and don't you know? And I pray tonight that you would in this moment just begin to relax your grip and give God your storm tonight and let Jesus bring you his peace. Friends, let's come through the room, let's worship the Lord and let's let Jesus remove the terror out of our souls. And I pray you would hear tonight, shalom. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Come and receive 
from Jesus.
communion elements and be ready to receive. I want you to see verse 24, the very last verse in this section. Gideon has the interaction. He gets to tell how he really feels. God doesn't ask him to bypass his humanity. He's afraid. He feels abandoned. He's scared. He, I'm of the tribe of Manasseh and I'm the least, he, all of it. Humanity, his complexity is shown there. But the very last verse in this text, it says, after the angel of the Lord spoke to him. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he called that altar Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. He came in scared. He came in terrorized. He came in feeling insignificant. He came in uncertain. At the end of the thing, he builds an altar there and he calls the altar Jehovah Shalom. God, my peace. Friends, this is what we do every single week. This is why we submit to these regular rhythms of worshiping God, because we come in afraid. We come in terrorized. We come in confused. But by the end, we come to this moment and we're building an altar tonight and we're saying it's called Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. Can you say amen, church? Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. He said, I've got peace for you. I've got food for you. I've got strength for you. I've got hope for you. I've got courage for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, you may receive the bread tonight. What about the ruptures that we've caused? What about the sins that we've committed against other people? What about the ways we've deprived people of justice and of goodness and of peace? We've held it. Jesus restores us tonight first. He says, your sins are forgiven you. I've washed them away from you. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions from us. Friends, tonight... If any person be in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You are forgiven in the name of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, there is a fresh start. Friends, can you say amen tonight to forgiveness? You may receive the cup tonight. I want us to sing there in the ground his body lay. And I want you to think about all the circumstances where you need Jesus to raise you up. So let's worship our way out of here tonight. Let's take some time. It's 7.51. We're fine. Let's worship.
praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise. Come on, church. Let's worship our way out of here. Let's go for it tonight. For endless just hear a sermon on peace we want to carry it Lord we want to be it Lord so I'm asking Holy Spirit fall on this place with your peace fall on this place with your comfort fall on us with courage tonight hey mighty warrior rise up come on Gideon I pray that he would fall on you tonight with his compassion. Compassion for those who are hurting right now. 
For those who need peace, I pray that he would break your heart for it, that he'd open your eyes to see it, that he would open your ears to hear their cry, and that you would step in with God's peace, be still. I pray tonight that everything that is terrorizing you would be cast out in the name of Jesus. The angel of the Lord is here tonight. So receive his peace. Can you just begin to say, Lord, I receive your peace. Lord, I welcome your peace. Lord, I desire your peace. Lord, I'll carry your peace. Lord, let your peace fall on us tonight. I pray that we would find ourselves laughing this week in ways that we haven't remembered for 10 years. Just the joy of the Lord breaking out. Because we're settled, we're comforted, we're at peace. I pray that boldness would rise up in us tonight because we know we're gonna be okay. Shalom, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. (laughs) Hear the word of the Lord tonight. You're gonna make it, you're gonna be okay. It's going to be well for you. And so I pray tonight, may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. And may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and may he grant you shalom. Your business, may it be shalomed. Your home, may it be shalomed. Your body, your health, may it be shalomed. Your mind, may it be shalomed. Your finances, may it be shalomed. Your relationships, I speak shalom. Your children, if you have them, shalom, shalom, shalom. May God grant you peace, and we pray these things tonight. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, can you give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? few reminders. Our prayer team's coming down. If you need someone to pray with you, we would love to. We've got the reboot military table back there. We've got the backpacks. You can get the school supply list. If you're new, swing by and see us. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.